0: Well, good morning, and welcome to Valley Lights Church. Good to see you all here today. As you know, superheroes are a big part of our culture and society these days. You've probably seen a lot of superhero movies, but before there was Thor, before there was the Hulk, and Captain America, and all these guys, there was an ancient superhero that probably what all the kids wanted to be. <laughs> they probably saw this guy and they're like, oh man, he had superhuman strength. But the difference between this guy and all the superheroes today is that this guy actually lived. There was this ancient, real superhero. And this guy, he tore apart lions with his bare hands. He had enough strength to go against 30 men just surrounded by guys. And just, like it was child's play. He once caught 300 foxes. foxing multiple foxes he caught foxes tied them together by their tails two by two with this torch in between and then set fire to an entire nation's harvest if he was tied with ropes he could break free like it was dental floss he once picked up the jawbone of a donkey and used it to kill a thousand warriors one crazy time he he ripped the city gates out You know, just stone and wood fortified, stuck in the ground. He ripped them out of the buried foundation and carried this huge city gates 30 miles uphill just to prove a point. And I think he probably did. (laughs) And last, probably his greatest deed was single-handedly tearing down a massive, enormous temple structure that killed thousands of his enemies in one blow. This guy, he's probably the most Legendary name when it comes to just sheer raw strength. His name is Samson. And he he actually lived. And he, um, despite all these amazing things, he lost everything that he had, including his strength, in a single bad decision. One really bad choice. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here at Valley Lights. And you've joined us in the middle of a message series called How to Make a Bad Decision. And you may think I already know how to do that. You don't need to teach me how to make a bad decision Well, what we're we're doing we're taking four weeks to look at Four of the worst decisions that you can find in the Bible There's a lot of bad ones. There's some good ones, but there's a lot of bad ones a lot for us to learn from what we're looking for and uh, a lot of the, the structure and some of the content for this series comes from a pastor in South Carolina named James Emery White and What we're doing throughout this series is we're uncovering the steps that lead up to the bad decision so that hopefully we can learn to not make the same kinds of mistakes. You've made some bad decisions in your life. I know that because I've made some bad decisions. We all, that's, that's a common part of the human experience. But what's not so common is learning from them. Not everybody who makes bad decisions learns from those bad decisions. So that's what this series is all about. So we're gonna look at this guy, Samson, this crazy, amazing, almost unbelievable story, Samson. And uh, we're gonna begin with his birth. And I'm gonna be reading from the Old Testament Book of Judges, where Samson's story is found. And so some of this uh, is up on the screen here, but we're gonna start in uh, verse two, this is chapter 13. It says, there was a certain man from Zorah from the family of Dan, whose name was Manoah. His wife was unable to conceive and have no children. Sounds interesting that it starts this way with a couple that are in in, for whatever reason unable to have kids and the angel of the lord appeared to the woman and said to her although you are unable to conceive and give birth to a son or although you're able to have no children you will conceive and give birth to a son now here's some instructions though for this new baby they say now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean for a need you will conceive and give birth to the son you must never cut his hair because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth, and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. So the reason that he couldn't, they couldn't have alcohol or cut his hair and he had like, more guidelines is because he had a very special assignment from God. This was not, what, what he was going to do is not what everybody did. He was set apart for this purpose. And so here's what it says. The woman gave birth to a son and named him Samson. The boy grew and the Lord blessed him. Man, things got off to a really good start with God's blessing and then the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtoel. so this is kind of an exciting beginning you got this guy he's got this just miraculous conception and he's got this amazing assignment and God is beginning to bless him and stir his heart this is this feels like the beginnings of an amazing story here's what's significant about that special assignment in those days, you could make a special vow to God and become a Nazarite. Um, kind of, it's kind of like making a vow to become a monk or a priest or a nun. You would, you'd make this commitment, and then you'd live in line with certain boundaries for that role. Uh, actually, the word Nazarite means set apart, someone who's separated and dedicated. And uh, you know, you're gonna, we're going to find out, though, this guy is nothing like a priest. He didn't, he didn't act like a monk in any way. And here's what's unique about Samson. Even though people could make this vow, he didn't make this vow. God made it for him. God is the one that especially put this assignment on him. Samson had the choice of whether to live it out, but the calling, the calling was there from birth. So the second part, so that's, you know, his calling to be a Nazareth, that's one thing that makes this story unique. The second thing is this whole thing about his superhuman strength. And when you read through his life, it's about, it's about three chapters, three or four chapters. And if you particularly read about those times when he uses his great strength, there's a detail that's really easy to miss. Right before every great act of strength, like ripping a line apart or fighting men or pulling gates out, it says the, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. One example is this. It says, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. Another place it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he went down to the town of Ashkelon and killed 30 men. Another sign it says, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he snapped the ropes on his arms as if they were burnt strands of flax and they fell off his wrists. Then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey and he picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. So before every great act of power, so don't, don't imagine that you could do this, like that you could have that much strength and just go, you know, killing people, and ripping gates and lines apart. There was something special. God was the one enabling this every time. That was the source of his strength. And so if you sent a team of top scientists and like physicians to go back in time, or if they were to find like, you know, remnants of his DNA like in a mosquito or something like that, and, and they were to like examine what made this guy so strong. They wouldn't be able to find anything. There would be nothing in his DNA that you could find. In fact, you know all the all if you if you ever if you've grown up in church you've heard the story before. You see the comics of Samson. He's like just out of control, swollen with muscles, just like bulging all over the place. It's possible he was a skinny guy. He could have been, you know, under six feet. You remember Captain America when he goes from like that really skinny guy that's him before Steve Rogers he's in the army nobody pays him any attention but then he gets injected with this serum and just blows up super strong and everyone knows the reason that he's so strong is he went through this biological transformation well Samson could have been like this he (laughs) guy because it doesn't really matter when you've got that you got muscles or not if the Spirit of the Lord is the one powerfully working in you it doesn't really matter how big your muscles are so His enemies couldn't figure this out. Like, Why is this guy so unstoppable? If we can figure out the source of his strength, then maybe we can get it. We just got to figure out where is he getting the strength from? So he's a Nazarite. He's got this strength thing going on. And then there's one more aspect of his life that's really critical for us to understand. And that's that he broke vow after vow after vow. He went to drinking parties. So, you know, that whole no beer and wine and alcohol thing, broke that right away. He ate the wrong foods, so he broke that vow. He touched dead carcasses of animals. They have rules against that as well. And, I mean, we don't even know how many prostitutes he slept with. But that's written in there, too. He broke every vow associated with his relationship to God. You're like, bro, look at what God is doing for you. He's got this son, and you're breaking all these vows. He broke every vow except for one. There's one vow he didn't break. It was that last final vow that kept him somewhat in a good position with God. And it was his hair. Of all things, his hair. <laughs> Not even his beard. Do you think maybe he had a like, great beard? No, just the hair on top of his head. That was the last tie that he had to this calling. You remember? The angels told the woman, hey, don't cut his hair. Who knew? That would be the thing. And then he made the decision. He made the decision that cost him everything including he lost his strength and his hair and the spirit of god so i just want to read to you what happens in the story and we're going to pick this apart and you may be able to find aspects of this story in your own life so here's what it says in judges chapter 16 says sometime later he fell in love with a woman named delilah this is not the first time this happens in his story this is this is about woman three that we know of in the story and all of them are off limits they're all from the enemy country but he was real persistent. He fell in love with this woman named Delilah. I mean, if it's love, it should be re- legitimate, right? He fell in love. <laughs> it's not legitimate. So this woman, she lived in the Sorek Valley. The Philistine leaders went to her and said, so these are the enemies. They know Delilah has an in. They say to her, hey, persuade him to tell you the truth, uh, where his great strength comes from, so we can overpower him, tie him up, and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. She was going to come upon a fortune based on what they were willing to give her. That sounded good to her. Apparently she didn't fall in love. <laughs> she was like, okay, oh, yeah, that sounds good. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? Well, Samson told her, well, if they tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings strings that have not been dried, I will become weak and be like any other man. Bowstrings, okay. So the Philistine leaders, they brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried. She tied him up. She actually, she did. She tied him up, and then she said, "Samson, the Philistines are here." But he snapped the bowstrings as soon as he woke up, like a strand of yarn when it touches fire. The secret of his strength remained unknown. The next verse says, "Then Delilah says to Samson." You've mocked me and you've told me lies. Won't you please tell me how you can be tied up? Alright, he told her if they tie me up with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak like any other man. So she got new ropes, tied him up, and shouted, Samson, the Philistines are here. Natural, they were actually hiding in the room. So there's like a very real setup happening. <laughs> so but while the men in ambush were waiting in the room, he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have mocked me and told me lies all along. Tell me how you can be tied up. So he told her, if you weave the seven braids of my head into a fabric on a loom. Okay, now, actually, he's actually getting closer to the truth. He's, he's wearing down. He, he, he says something about the hair. And uh, she does that. She says, Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up. His hair is pulled out of the pin. He's got strong hair. He must have some good fibers. And uh, so then she says, next verse is, how can you say I love you When your heart is not with me, this is the third time you've mocked me and not told me what is the secret, what makes your strength so great. So, this woman, I don't know what she had going for, but Samson was still in there. She has proven that she will actually attempt to remove his strength. He wakes up three times with her trying to remove his strength. And he does reveal the secret. But you got to think, like, what? What would make you actually reveal the secret? Like, when you know they're going to actually make good on it. I don't know what was happening, but she was putting a lot of pressure on him. I don't know if you've ever done anything because someone was putting pressure on you. Maybe it's something that you knew you shouldn't do. You're like, this is not going to end well. This is not healthy. I just, I don't know what to do, but just to get off, get this person off my case. I'll just, I'll just go along with it in the moment. The next part of the story is written in your handout. You can follow along if you want to, but this is Judges 16, uh, verse 16. Here's what it says: Because she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out. There's another translation that says she annoyed him to death. <laughs> the NIV says she nagged him until he was tired to death. So this this is this is some persistence. And here's what happens: He told her the whole truth, and he said to her. My hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I'm shaved, my strength will leave me. and I'll become weak like any other man. And whatever tone he, in, in the voice that he had, that he used, she could tell. This time it's, it's legit. This is the truth. I can tell he's being honest with me here. And Delilah realized he told her the truth, the whole truth. She sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come one more time. For he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and then brought the silver with them, her payment. And she let him fall asleep on her lap like a sweet, caring girlfriend, and <laughs> called the man to shave off the seven braids on his head while he's sleeping. In this way, she made him helpless, and his strength left him. And then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. When he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape, as I did before, and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Maybe he didn't even believe That guy was all that serious about the air thing. Maybe he just, by this time, he thought, nothing can stop me. The Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes. They brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles, and he was forced to grind grain in the prison. And later he died there. Whoa, that's a bad decision. This 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 feels like kind of a downer. What was behind the bad decision that Samson made? You know, when we started this series a couple of weeks ago, we looked at a guy named Esau, and we learned about, when it comes to decision-making, really the danger of short-term thinking, not thinking through the consequences. Last week, we looked at another guy named Rehoboam, and we learned about the danger of refusing wise counsel, just not being willing to take input from anybody. And here's what Samson has to teach us. If you want to make a bad decision, give into pressure. If you want to make a bad decision, give in to pressure. And there's three ways that I think he did this. And we do this. One is that he caved into his selfish desires. This is probably the biggest theme of his life. Just the drinking and the sex and the doing what he wants ignoring his parents. Just whatever he wanted, he just went for it. He just went, just zero discipline on himself. No telling himself no at any point. On multiple occasions, Samson, he lost the internal battle with his own selfish desires. I don't know if you ever feel about to make a decision, and the, the pressure's sometimes from the outside, but sometimes there's a lot driving you inside. It feels like a lot of pressure moving us in a direction, because our desires can be very strong. For him, one big downfall was his lust for women. In fact, saw, saw Samson's father, earlier in the story, uh, the first girl that he got infatuated with, he wanted to marry a Philistine woman. His father said, This you shouldn't do this. Find someone that God would want you to marry. And he said to his father, get her for me, for she's right in my eyes. That's a terrible basis for a good like, decision making. <laughs> this is like, and we do this you know, sometimes. You know, it's like, imagine you're about to buy a house that you really like, there's a house that's just so amazing, and the inspection report says that there's foundation problems. You're like, ah, I don't even worry about it. <laughs> You know, I'm just going to go for it anyway because I really want it. Sometimes you can look at the facts and just say, no, I'm just going to go for it. I want it. So this, this, the description of this is stubborn selfishness that comes hardwired, unfortunately, in all of us. It comes built in. None of us can escape this. Proverbs 22:15 says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Every child that's born gets folly. And that word folly, it means stubborn selfishness, just, I want what I want. So we're all born with that, and sometimes our desires, it just this pressure, builds within, and it distorts our view of reality. When you want something so bad, sometimes you just start seeing reality the way you want to see it. It makes really bad decisions. We've got to figure out how to protect ourselves from that internal pressure if we want to be shielded from the damage. So I don't know if you would like Samson, say that anything, you know, no, I want that thing, it's right in my eyes. Maybe there's a purchase that you're looking to make, or a situation at work, and you're just about to respond, or you're about to, to do something. You're like, no, this is right in my eyes. Or a relationship, something with a person, and you just have the strong desire. There's another way that Samson gave into pressure. Now, this is when he caved into the pressure of another person. Clearly, we see that. I mean, you, you probably already know this, that like pressure from other people can be really powerful. If you know that somebody wants something, or if, or if they're nagging you like she did, or if you're just really desperate for approval. Delilah, she was the third woman that we know of in the story, and she had a real motive to see his destruction. Turns out she did care way more about the money than him, and he was somehow completely blind to it. His desires were distorting his view. Again, it says in Judges 16, 16 says, she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out. So he he wanted her and so that, that desire for her and the pressure that she brought it was enough to topple him. So he did finally reveal his secret, which turned out to be the bad decision that led to his death. We're probably not stronger than Samson. Certainly we don't get that superhuman strength, but even when it comes to resisting pressure sometimes the pressure to please other people can be intensely powerful even against our, our better judgment so Samson eventually he went to that prison and died among the Philistines caving into pressure derailed all of his progress in life and I was thinking you know when he was there in the prison maybe he was really bitter and Delilah I'm just like man I'm like that that woman she did this to me. She betrayed me. And he's grinding grain with his eyes out of his out of his head. And that, that actually can happen if you give in to somebody, you can get real bitter at that person. Like, man, they like they betrayed me. Or they put me in this position. But I I if Samson felt that way, I'd like to ask, like, who's who's actually responsible for the fact that you're in prison though, buddy boy? <laughs> there were a series of decisions that put you in this position where you were around this woman that you were not even supposed to be around. You shouldn't have been there. It's not her fault. I mean, she played a role, sure, but there were a lot of compromises. There was a lot of giving in. I mean, this guy wasn't a picture of integrity and discipline. He wasn't even supposed to be with her. So I don't know if you've ever felt pressured into something. And then finally, you're in a situation where you feel manipulated. Or do you feel, yeah, I don't I, I don't want this. This is not what I wanted. I don't want to be here. Before you become resentful in a situation like that, I want you to examine what what decisions have I made that led up to this predicament that I'm in? Am I in a situation now where I've actually been compromising along the way? Or maybe you're in a position right now where you're on the verge of a decision. You haven't made it yet. And you have time to reverse your direction. Maybe you're in that position. That would be good. There's a third aspect of Samson's bad decision making that might help you if you find yourself in that position. Samson lost sight of his purpose. Now this is powerful. From birth, Samson had a very clear purpose from God. That angel from God sent by God told his parents, "The boy will be a Nazarite from God, of God, from birth until the day of his death." The high calling, a real privilege. God had this special task. God wanted Samson to be, have this really significant role. And really it was to free the Israelites from the oppression and the evil of the people around them. What, what an amazing privilege that role would have been. And God was going to supply the superhuman strength. You and I can actually relate to that as well. We don't have the superhuman strength. But God has a very significant role for you to play. Ephesians 2.10 says that those who follow Jesus Christ, we were created to do good works. And the things that God created for you to do, he, he has prepared them long ago. Before you were even born, he already churned out the things he wanted you to do. So that's, man, we've got a role. We have a purpose that God wants us to fulfill. And as followers of Jesus, you know, we get a lot of hope. Man, there's so much hope knowing that we'll be in heaven with him when we follow Christ. But man, not only that, but right now we've got purpose. So that can be a tool in our lives. It's really motivating. We can be motivated to stay on track, to stay disciplined, to live for something greater than just ourselves and our own desires. That can provide direction when we're having to make decisions. Samson knew about his purpose in life. It was very clear. But somewhere along the lines, he lost sight of it. It got obscured by all the things that he wanted and the pressures around him. He started making decisions based on what he wanted rather than what would please God. So, there's a lot that I can relate to about Samson. I've actually done all of those things we just looked at. I have stubbornly, selfishly followed my passions and desires. I've done it. And sometimes I even do that. I go for those things that I want or the things that I'm musking after and I pretend like it's a good thing. Like I, you know, pretend like there's, there's some merit to it. I've, I've done that in my life. I've also put pressure on people. Sometimes I've, I've done the thing where I'm, I'm trying to get people to do what I want or I've caved to unhelpful pressure because I want people to look at me in a certain way. I've, and then this other thing, I've also done this where at times I lose sight of my God-given role as a godly husband, or as a godly leader, or father, and sometimes make bad decisions. For me, my decisions aren't usually so big and obvious like Samson. But a lot of decisions are just in those little moments, those day-to-day decisions that we all make. We can make little decisions of selfishness throughout the day. And there's lots, I, there's lots of those that I'm not all that proud of. You might feel similar, maybe if you look behind you, you'll look at a trail of decisions that you're not all that proud of either. But, there's a hopeful side of Samson's story that we're going to look at. Before we get to that hopeful side, though, I do want you to see that the Bible does show us protection from the pressure comes as we do a few things. One of the most important things we can do is to fear God instead of people. Samson caved into the pressure put on him by Delilah. And so he... So probably in this relationship, he probably feared losing his relationship with her. He wanted something, and I don't know what it was. Maybe he wanted her companionship. Maybe he wanted her approval. Maybe he just wanted sex with her. I don't know what it was. He wanted something, and whatever he wanted, he cared more about that desire than what God wanted him to do. And then it cost him everything. Fearing people leads us in that direction, but fearing God protects us from all of those things because it places God's desires ahead of what other people are trying to push us into. Proverbs 9 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Fear of the Lord, that's a thats a big concept in the Bible, which really means, if you were to translate that in a practical way, it means take God seriously. But if I fear God, I take Him seriously enough to do, to do what He says, to do what the Bible says. So a wise person applies the Bible to their life because they know that it doesn't get better than God's best for me. But that that kind of trust and dedication doesn't happen overnight. Fear of the Lord develops as we get to know God. As we spend time reading the Bible, we apply it to our life. You might, you might read something or hear something from the Bible and you think, I'm, I need to apply that. And then if you make the hard decision to apply it, and you see God come through. That turned out pretty good. And then our trust can deepen. Our trust in his word and our fear of doing things that please him really grows. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five another verse, that says, The fear of mankind is a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is protected. Basically, it's, it's like you just walk right into a deadly trap whenever we're trying to please other people. We're trying to just get people to like us, to do what they want, or just to get in a good position. That's just, it's like we just walk into a deadly trap. Another way to find protection from that pressure that we find in life is to turn to God for help. Now look at the help from 1 Corinthians 10.13. This, this is an amazing verse. It says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. So every temptation that you face, it is nothing new. It's been around for a long time. And person after person after person has experienced those same temptations that you experience. And here's what it says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. He's not going to put you where you're just so tempted, like, man, just take me. I just have to fling myself into this sin. That's not the situation that God puts us in. We do get tempted severely and intensely. But it says "But when you are tempted, He will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. God actually gives us a way to walk in righteousness. Every situation of your life, you can do it honorably. Boy, it's really, really hard sometimes. But there is a way. And this truth, actually this is a verse I've memorized that has helped me in so many situations. Sometimes we feel like the pressure is too much and I, I have no choice but to cave. But God will not let us be tempted beyond what we can bear. So a practical way, if you, if you find yourself with a tremendous pressure or temptation, you can turn to God and pray. You can pray something like this. God, man, I, don't, I do not see a way out of this. But I know you provide it help me to find the way that you promised so that I can follow you with this decision. And God will help. He will provide the help we need. Sometimes you're tempted and then you'll see the right way right immediately. Other times, God may lead you to, maybe you need to talk to somebody. Maybe it's just hard to see the path out and inviting someone in can help me navigate through that. Maybe somebody else. Actually, God has designed it so that we need other people to give us the wisdom at times. But as we turn to him, he will help us resist the pressure. And then finally, a third way that we can resist the pressure is to choose our associates well. Associates meaning just the people you hang with. Proverbs thirteen twenty says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but if the companion of fools suffers harm. A great way to summarize this verse is Pick your friends, pick your future. You pick the people you hang out with, they are going to determine the way your life flows. Samson, for example, he picked friendship with Delilah, a Philistine woman with Delilah. And then she, in turn, picked his future. If Samson picked friendship and marriage with a godly woman in Israel, boy, this story sure would have been written differently. But you can ask yourself, who, who am I? who do I associate with right now? Who are the people that I spend the most time with? Especially in my free time, who do, I, who do I hang with? Who do I relate to often at work or at school? Are the people that I spend time with mostly, are they leading me in the right direction? When you finish reading the story of Samson, it, it feels sad and tragic, and there's, there's a lot of tragedy in it. The guy had opportunities like very few people ever do and he continually caved and made bad decisions. His story shows us how decisions can lead us away from God's when we're not even aware of it. That's probably the scariest part of the whole thing. He didn't even know. He didn't even realize the direction he was going. Maybe the saddest part of the story is found in just a, a phrase that's probably overlooked often in this narrative. It, this actually might be one of the saddest lines in the Bible. After he gave in to Delilah then she cut his hair, when he woke up, it says this, he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Now that's pretty tragic. He had no idea that he was on his own. John Ortberg is an author, and he wrote about this. He says, we all have the capacity to be inhabited by God. We all have that. But every wrong choice, every dark thought that we entertain, it just makes us a little less sensitive to God's divine presence. In the end, Samson was so eroded that he didn't sense his erosion or realize how absent God was from his life. Some of you may have allowed yourself to be pressured into decisions or into choices that have led you away from God. Maybe in your past or maybe right now. And it's been such a natural, gradual descent that maybe you've barely even noticed it. Like with Samson, you may not have even noticed that somewhere along the way, the presence of God has become absent from the path. So for you, if, if that's the case, what is what is softly, gently crushing you further and further away from God, leading you to decisions that are not best for your life in Jesus Christ? And I thought again about Samson grinding at the, the mill, just doing hard manual labor, probably getting whipped every day and just... Just mocked and beaten all the time, as I imagine. Blinded by his enemies. And he's probably just able to rehearse over and over again the things that got him there, the poor decisions that he made. Probably a lot of regret. Probably just live with regret. And throughout his life, when you read those you know, four chapters or so, he barely ever prays. He barely ever acknowledges God. He just kind of goes off and handles. But Which is crazy. That he he barely even acknowledges the one who gave him that supernatural strength but in his dying day that last part of the story he did finally yield and humbly acknowledge god and he prays this prayer he called out to the lord says lord god please remember me strengthen me god just once more it's like a spark of humility he finally acknowledged god as the source of his help and the strength and anything good in his life. And God actually responded and answered this prayer. You Remember how God's original plan for Samson was to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. That was one of the big purposes of the act. And amazingly, God still accomplished his purpose through Samson. This crazy, you know, off-the-rails guy, God still worked through him. His dying act, Samson, when he died, he pushed the pillars of this enormous temple like a fortress Killed himself in the process, but he killed uh, but this, he killed thousands of enemies. It says way more in his death than ever in his life. More enemies did he kill, and it helped liberate Israel from their enemies. Even though this guy messed up royally, God, God still used him. And I think that gives us all a lot of hope. Maybe you haven't gone so far as Samson, but you have made mistakes. You have done some things that have gotten you off track, I and mean, God can still use you. Man, especially when we have that spark of humility. God, please, remember me. If you've caved into pressure at points, maybe in your life you can see clearly how the consequences have come out of that. Maybe it's really easy to see. And that can be really painful to face. Maybe you don't even want to think about it. But you know what? It's not too late. It's not too late to turn to God. There's still time to turn from doing life our way and to turn and do it His way. So you might consider taking one of these next steps. This might really be a help to you. One thing you could do is refuse to cave into a decision that will displease God. Maybe you're about to make one, or you're consistently deciding to do something displeasing. You can just decide, I'm going to refuse that. Or you might memorize 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that verse that I mentioned. Man, this is it's that verse, and God will provide a way out. He's faithful. This is actually that's that's that is a hopeful truth that we often need to cling to. Another next step you might do is identify a situation where I am being influenced by the fear of man and just take about it, just pray about it, think about it, where, where am I being pushed around by other people and just my desire for their approval or desire to be seen in a certain way? And get out of it. Get out of that. And then another next step might be to ask a wiser person to help me sort through the, a decision. And maybe maybe you can't see things all that clearly just yet, but you may, you could, you actually could get a lot of help from somebody wiser. Each week also, you have the opportunity, beyond these next steps, just to actually commit your life to Christ for the first time. Decide to stop once and for all going life my own way, to turn my, the whole direction of my life and go His way. Acknowledge that He died for me on the cross. If you want to do that, let us know there's a spot on your connection card where you can say, send me info about following Jesus for the first time. I hope this whole series has been helpful because one really big principle that we we keep coming back to after each message is this. Decisions have consequences. Seems obvious, right? It's not that obvious. For some reason, it's not that obvious. In our decision-making, we often see reality the way we want to see reality. Sometimes we make decisions that seem good and then we're surprised and we're upset by the results. Turns out, reality has teeth. And we tend to ignore reality and its teeth and then walk straight into negative consequences and wonder what in the world just happened. How did I get here? You? you probably, I would imagine, you probably could have given Samson some really good advice. If you like got dropped in the story, you'd know, like, Samson, just like slap him, boom. Bro, knock it off. <laughs> you could have given, you can see that. When you're, out, when you're not in the story, you can see things pretty clearly. He couldn't, see. he couldn't see things. Well, the same is with us. There's people around you right now that can give you some life-saving advice that you, you're just unaware of because they're not swayed by the same pressures that you're swayed by. So seriously consider taking one of those next steps. It could really save something in your life. Next week, we're going to look at another awful decision. <laughs> Actually, gonna wrap up the series, and it's kind of like a grand finale because this bad decision—it is so bad. It's like it's a doozy. It's like it's a story about everyone's favorite hero, and you'd be like, no, no one, no one would suspect what what happens. And it's so bad. It just—it gets from bad to worse, just horrendous, really, really bad. You know, like this is this is the good guy. This is the good guy, but there's unending devastation in his wake. And the scary part about the story is that he has the same kind of decision making that we sometimes have so you're going to want to know how to avoid those things I hope you come back next week let's pray together Father God we thank you for your incredible grace and one thing that shines through the story of Samson is that you are sovereign and faithful and you respond to us when we do humbly acknowledge you and you work through us even despite our sin and messiness I thank you, Lord, for saving us out of our sin, giving a bright, hopeful future. And I thank you that there can be so much good and blessing when we submit to you and to your ways. Thank you for your word that gives us guidance. Would you help us to do things that please and honor you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.